Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. How to become a running coach. We get asked this question all of the time. Being a run coach is such a unique endeavor. On the surface level, it may seem that there is not a lot that goes into being a run coach because the sport just isn't complicated enough to really need a coach. It's just running after all. But if you've listened to our podcast, you know that there is so much to learn and discover within the sport of running. A good run coach can help open your eyes to all the details that can help propel your training to the next level. We will be chatting about our journey to becoming a run coach and what we recommend other people do if they want to get started on their own run coaching journey, becoming a certified coach and helping others achieve their goals. Uh, so Jason is with me today. Jason Phillippe is a run coach here at Run for PRs. He's been coaching for over a decade now. Um, he's worked in various places from uh, high school track to college track coaching to um, coaching online and also coaching run groups uh, such as you know Lifetime Fitness. They have a run group. Um, he was a coach there for several years as well. So just a wide variety of different run coaching positions over the years, um, as well as coaching online. Um, and he's just going to chat a little bit about his background, how he got into things um, as well. So Jason, how did you really get started into run coaching and what made you want to become a run coach? Yeah, for me, it all started um, the, the spring I graduated from college, which was 2009. I just finished up, you know, student teaching as well as my eligibility for running cross country and track in college. Um, and so I just offered to volunteer coaching at the track at the school I was student teaching at for their track team. Um, it was a small school in rural Wisconsin. They didn't even have a track, but they they still had a team and they got to go to meets and compete. So we did a lot of practices um, on school grounds, like in the parking lot. Um, you know, luckily for distance, it's a little bit easier than it, than it is other events to coach without a track. Um, but that's how I got started. Um, I was also volunteering at the college, you know, with underneath the supervision of my coach, um, just helping out with the athletes and stuff and going to meets. And, um, so that's kind of my first two experiences. They're both volunteer unpaid. And then the next year when I started working full time, that's kind of when I got my first paid assistant coaching position, um, at a school in Minnesota at Lakeville North high school. So I was coaching track there and, um, and then from there, I just kind of had several opportunities at different schools, depending on where I was teaching in the state um, and doing cross country and track. I think my first experience with adults was face to face, kind of in person at, at running room. We had some uh, local half marathon, marathon training groups a couple days a week. So um, kind of got some experience there and then jumped into coordinating run groups at Lifetime Fitness, like Victoria said. Um, and, you know, there it was a little bit more. Um, 
online as well as in-person groups. So that's kind of my background. I've, you know, I've also, you know, like Victoria said, coach at the collegiate level and um, adults online through Run for PRs. Well, yeah, so that is a, that's a lot of coaching, um, different experiences, which is really cool. And I think, you know, the thing that really sticks out to me is how when you first started out, it was more on like this volunteer basis, um, which I think happens to be the case for a lot of people, just because, uh, you know, people like to see that experience, you know, before you, you know, hire someone or whatnot, um, just so that you know, kind of like, what to do and that you've really shown that you're like committed to something, whatever. Um, so in terms of volunteering, you know, both when you were still in college with the college team, cause I know you kind of had like a fifth year of college. Um, and then after college, how you were student teaching and you just, did you just like ask the coach at this high school, like, Hey, um, I, I just want to like volunteer and help or like, how do you go about like, let's say someone's listening and they're like, yeah, I want this volunteer. Like, how do you go about like finding a place to volunteer? Like are people looking for volunteers? Do you think, or where's the best place to like search if you just want to get this volunteer experience? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for me, I just, I just started asking around like who are the track coaches at this, at this school. And then I reached out to them and and ask, you know, what their staffing looked like and if they'd be okay with me helping out. And, you know, luckily I, they were very welcoming and I don't think they had what they would consider an expert to coach distance. So they welcomed me in with open arms. But I would say, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about coaching, you want to get started somehow. The youth level is great. You know, schools, especially like middle school programs or even high school programs that aren't that fairly well established. Um, you know, a lot of times they have a small budget for coaching. So, they'll welcome in volunteers and you don't need to be there every single day and attending all the meets. You can just show up a couple of days a week or help when you want to. Um, if you have any connections with people you already know who are coaching at these schools, you could, you could ask to help out and assist on a part-time basis as well. Um, you know, I think back to the, the other schools I've taught, I've coached at over the years, we've, we've always had some volunteer coaches um, who are great. And, you know, they do it. Now, obviously, we don't get into coaching for the money. It's all about the passion and trying to, you know, learn as well as help inspire young athletes. And um, so each state might look a little different as far as like where to find these positions. I know in Minnesota, we do have some websites um, that that they do post positions and opening openings for those. But I would say check in with your local like USATF groups um, or just reaching out to school districts, you know, their athletic directors and their coaches um, for cross country and track. Right. Yeah, I think that's some really good advice there. Um, just one thing that kind of pops out at me. So thinking about these volunteer opportunities that are at the school level, um, it works really well. Like if you're a teacher or you have hours that are similar to like school hours. So I would assume most of these practices probably take place, you know, somewhere between like two, three, four in the afternoon is the start time. Um, is that true? And then kind of what exactly do you do at these volunteers? Because I think a lot of that is like there's unknown, like, okay, I'm volunteering my time. Like how often are you expected if you're just volunteer coaching to be there? And what exactly do you do as a volunteer coach when there's already a head coach, assistant coach, all that stuff, um, like, wh- what is your role? 
Yeah, another great question. I think you were right about the start times for most programs. Um, there may be some in certain parts of the country that do morning practices, you know, especially if, if you're in a hotter part of the, of the U.S. and if they have a later school start time. But I think for the most part, practices are getting going between two and four. Um, they're probably 90 minutes to three hours, somewhere in that range. And, you know, as a volunteer coach, your primary responsibilities are, are probably going to be just keeping the group together. So you may join them for a run. You may um, help calculate splits for like workouts um, or, tr- or um, you know, actually track the splits, stand there with the watch and, and let kids know how they're doing as they come through. Um, you may, you know, offer encouragement, ask, ask athletes how they're feeling, how that rep went, that sort of thing. And just be there kind of as an extra support person who can help them, you know, navigate through their day. And um, yeah, I think as far as like attending meets, it'd be kind of the same thing. You're not doing a lot of the, you know, anything to do with the budget or transportation. That's going to be all covered by the head coaches. But just being there as an extra adult to help. Because um, sometimes kids, you know, those athletes, they they see that so-and-so is already talking to the coach. And so if, if they know someone else is there to go, they might come to you for that. And so I think that it helps to have, you know, three, four adults as part of a an average size team, which is probably going to be 20 to 30 athletes at least. And it's difficult. I know I've, I was a head coach at a school where I coached close to, um, yeah, close to 30 athletes. And I did have one volunteer there part-time, but it was, uh, it's tough if you're the only one. And so it's, it's nice for the coaches to be able to delegate a few things to you. Um, they may ask you to help pick up some equipment to get ready for, you know, this practice or maybe set up the cones or measure out the course, those sorts of things. There's a lot of things that coaches have to think about. Right. Yeah. So just thinking about all these things and seeing you have been coaching in person and stuff, it's just really different from online coaching. And I think, you know, a lot of people want to get into like the online coaching realm and a lot of the tasks that maybe like you're describing just kind of seem not, um, not maybe in line with what some people are anticipating that coaching is. And so I think it's just good to kind of get an idea of, you know, a lot of coaches do kind of start at that more volunteer level where you're just doing more getting to know runners, getting to know the community. And I think part of that's just really important to understand where the sport, the roots are of the sport and understanding different, you know, communities within the sport of running. I think a lot of road runners, you know, if you start running as an adult, um, all you really see is the road races and maybe you're not as familiar with kind of what it looks like at the youth level and moving up through high school, college, all that stuff. Um, maybe you've never been to a cross country meet. Maybe you've never been to a track meet. These are just ways to diversify your experiences and kind of learn more about the sport. And I think just that in itself is really valuable because I know I started running as an adult and learning the whole cross country track thing, it really like opened your eyes to um, maybe how things are done at that level. Because there are so many athletes in the sport that come out like you who run through high school, run through college, and they're very good, fast runners. And I think learning the methodologies that are in place at those lower levels and kind of what they go through um, can help you understand and get like this full picture of the sport um, instead of kind of sticking to to one sector. But at the same time, um, I know we also mentioned that the hours for these volunteer positions are more in the afternoon. And, you know, if you have a corporate job, kind of like I had, where you're expected to work nine to five, it's just really not a possibility that you would be able to volunteer um, during the weekday at these sort of events. And so I kind of fell in the bucket of, I don't have 
a schedule with my work that allows me to volunteer. Um, and I knew that was kind of the next logical step. But whereas, you know, the first couple of years we were dating and married, uh, you would go, you know, your school day would end at three and then you'd have practice from three to five. And during that time, I would just be sitting at my desk doing my accounting work, right? So I never really had an opportunity to do um, a volunteer type of coaching position, but being, I think, exposed to you being around it and then also doing things within the community, like attend, even just attending a cross-country meet, um, even just attending a track meet um, and congratulating people. I mean, just being exposed and I think part of becoming your own coach is exposing yourself to different areas of the sport and just really immersing yourself totally in that. Um, And I know you mentioned that you also worked at Lifetime Fitness, which is a little bit different. And I think that's when you started to make the transition into more of a individual and maybe even more of making your way into online coaching. Yeah. At the adult level. So that looks a little bit different than, you know, the high school, college, middle school, track and cross country programs. Um, So what were kind of the hours for that club and what exactly did you do? And was that something, because you were in charge of the entire group, was that something that you would have wanted volunteers for? Or had you, you know, met someone, like how would you have gotten coaching experience under you at that position? Yeah. Um, so that thinking back to when I started there, I was I was the run coordinator, so I was responsible for the administrative um, things, kind of behind the scenes, like you know, emailing people, updating the social media, um, really advertising our group runs and our group training. And so we'd have a few weekly group runs that anyone could attend, and then we also had group training that was targeted towards specific events like five k or half marathon and etc. And you could sign up for those; those were paid. Um, to be a part of, and they were coached. And sometimes that coach was me, sometimes it was somebody else. But so those are kind of some of the responsibilities. And then just being visible, like in the club and talking to members as they walk by, inviting people to join, um, you know, the run groups. Um, we also put on some events like a 5K at the club level. And so we manage registrations and, and all of that. So course setup, t shirts, all that. So those were kind of the responsibilities as run coordinator. I, I think that. You know, there's definitely room for volunteers, and I did have some paid run leads as well underneath me who, who would help out with day-to-day tasks like just setting up for our um, group runs, like we'd have a tent or maybe water station, stuff like that. Um, I would always look for volunteers to get involved with like just leading a pace group, um, maybe being there to greet new runners who haven't been there before. Um, so we like to have someone who's you know kind of like every minute of the pace group that way. There's a leader who understands like the route to make sure people don't get lost and stuff, kind of keeping everyone together. So we'd have like a seven minute, eight minute, nine minute, 10 minute and so on. And so that's where I think we could always have more volunteers. And I know every part of the country is different in terms of like different groups. And we have a ton here in Minnesota, but there are, um, you know, probably local running groups in your area. And so, you know, reaching out to them if, if you definitely want to get involved and just kind of being a part of it, like you said, being exposed and around it. And then eventually you just never know, you might find yourself in a coaching role down the road. Right. Yeah. I think that was a really good description of kind of what you did. And then just in terms of how someone can get more involved, um, with those sort of things. So, Again, you know, this that sort of run club thing is maybe more in line for people who have more of a corporate job like I, I did when you worked there. Um, I remember kind of shooting over after work, go to the gym and just, you know, my main motivation for going there was just to, 
you know, hang out with runners. You know, I'm a runner. I like to meet other runners. I, I just would get my second run of the day in sometimes, or that's just when we do our workout. Um, I just would go to be a part of the run club. I kind of wanted to be a fly on the wall, you know, sort of situation just because it was your job. And I think being exposed to that group environment and realizing like, um, you know, if you can stand out and be a leader in those sort of groups. So let's say you're a part of a run club group and there's someone that always, you know, like says, Hey, how are you? Or just like gets to know people within the group. Um, those are ways that you can kind of become like a leadership person and become one of those friendly faces for other people. Um, and just getting to know others, that's really how you evolve and maybe work your way into, you know, Oh, you're really friendly. You're, you're really nice around this group and people look to you for, you know, advice on, how their run is doing or they just, you know, it gives you more opportunity to potentially maybe be a pace leader or be a coach within those roles. So I think just becoming a leader within your community in that realm, um, can just be a way that you can learn more about run coaching. And I think a lot of people, uh, don't think about ways that they can get involved in their local community as much because I know that oftentimes like you need water stop help so you'd set up the water stop and just standing at a water stop table I know it doesn't sound like it's not like a super fun exciting like you're not building a training plan but when you are sitting there you are watching everyone go by Um, you're seeing people stop for their water you're being able to talk to people of all different paces all different abilities you're seeing what they look like you're seeing how their stride is you're just seeing their faces and that is what gets you really familiar with the sport familiar with different pace groups familiar with how people are feeling what they do at these water stops and just immersing yourself in that sort of environment is a way that you can just observe and by observing you're really growing um, as a person Whereas like, I think if I didn't have those experiences prior to, you know, becoming a run coach, I would only know my own personal experiences running. You know, when you sit there and you week after week, man a water table or greet all of these runners of all different paces and abilities and, you know, cheer them on as they're coming in, um, you're really able to observe more than just what you yourself witness on your runs. And I think a lot of times people... Um, underestimate the importance of what that is to be involved with the community and to just volunteer your time. Even every race, every single weekend looks for volunteers. And I think just standing there and handing cups to runners, that is a huge learning experience. And it also goes back to the community. And I think doing those things, volunteering at races, um, we once set up like the cones at a local race just because they, they need volunteers. And Um, setting up the course, being a course marshal, all of these experiences I did prior to ever coaching a runner, I think really helped me understand the sport a lot more and then open up more opportunities and goal or, and more opportunities um, for the future because they're like networking events. Basically, when you go to these races, you meet the race director, um, you volunteer at races, you volunteer at run groups, you're getting exposed to a bigger network of people and um, networking is ways that can help open doors for you in the future with different opportunities and pretty soon more opportunities will come your way so I think it's just all about getting involved within the community um, and giving back to the community and then that will give to you um, later on in the future 
But I think the biggest takeaway here is just getting involved in the community and not viewing it as like, uh, oh, like I want to get paid for this right away. It's just more about having that passion to help people. Um, Because like you said, volunteer basis for the first couple of years is what most people start off with. And then just kind of going into like how much does a run coach get paid? Like what does it look like in person? Um, Like what the first time that you were an assistant coach like at a school, um, how many hours a week were you working? And like, is it, is it like a good, I mean, what's the salary for that sort of pay or, or what's the salary for that sort of work? And do you think that there's like a misconception of why some people get into coaching? Cause it's really like, it's not, people don't do it for the money is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely not. I think at that level, you know, you're, you're probably investing anywhere from 15 to 25 hours a week. It just depends on if you have meets and meet schedule, cause those can last for hours at a time. So, um, but for the most part, you're looking at two to three hours a day and then, um, possibly a, a, like a big chunk of your time on like a Saturday at a meet. So, um, your stipend is typically going to range from if you're part-time, it could be as low as $2,000 up to maybe like 4,000 at the high school level. Um, it really just depends if it's cross country or track and how long the season is. Um, and I'm, I'm sure certain parts of the country have longer track seasons, up here in, in the Midwest, it's typically going to start in uh, mid-March and go through the beginning of June. So you're looking at like two and a half months. Um, so probably like 10 weeks or so. And if you're, let's say you're making $3,000 in those in those 10 weeks, yeah, it sounds like okay money, but you have to think about all that time that you're investing. Um, and on top of, if you do have a full-time job, it can be it can be very draining and, and um, you know, you probably don't have a lot of balance going for you during that time. So I think it's, definitely something to you know to be be real about it as far as like acknowledging that the time commitment that it's going to take especially at the youth level because you have several more opportunities for youth events track meets that sort of thing and those can take anywhere from three to seven hours of your day yeah that's a really good point just kind of bringing up the the whole it is you know usually someone's part-time job in addition to a full-time job and sometimes it can also just be another thing on your plate like most most runners like to run themselves and so sometimes if you're not like running with the team or running with that group and using that time for your running as well um then it just it can be almost like too much on someone's plate but that's why I think it's it's better to kind of volunteer in those sort of positions bounce around see what you like because um, once you kind of land yourself like in a paid gig like that, you're really locked into, you know, you got to work X hours, X amount of time. And I think it's better just to volunteer, um, for a few years and just bounce around and then you can kind of set your own commitment level. You know, maybe you can only commit to like once or twice a week. Um, and then when you're just on the volunteer basis, it's just giving of your time. You're not really in a role where you're getting paid. You're just there to gain the experience. And then I think volunteering at races, um, volunteering at run clubs, those sort of things, it gives you a more diverse um, feel for things. And if you spend like one or two years doing that, you're going to get a better feel for maybe where your niche is and what sort of groups you like to be around. Um, for me personally, I just, I wasn't like a teacher background. It was more of, um, you know, corporate accounting life. And so I, I felt like I bonded more 
with people who were, you know, working professionals. And so that's why I kind of got more into the adult coaching, um, whereas Jason was a teacher. And so I think, you know, having the kids in the classroom and just understanding kind of how to relate to kids and um, be able to, you know, have the communication skills and the way, like, know how kids behave and all that sort of thing, um, it made it easier for you to maybe coach at the high school, college, middle school level. Whereas me, I hadn't been around high schoolers or middle schoolers since I was in high school and middle school. So I felt like I didn't know what to say or how to communicate as well as someone who maybe has, um, you know, kids at home or is a profession where you work with um, students a lot. So it's just a lot of things to think about, um, places to get started. And uh, I know a lot of people have the question of like, what sort of certifications do you need to have? Like, did you have any certifications when you first started volunteering? Um, is that something that you look at when someone wants to volunteer or at what phase in the game should you get a certification? Yeah, I did not have any certifications when I started volunteering. Um, the first time I got a certification was during my first paid coaching opportunity. Um, the head coach thought it'd be a good idea if all of the assistants went together and got the certification for USA track and field. So we did the level one school. It was basically a couple days. Um, probably, I think it was a three day thing and you basically had to pass an exam at the end. So, um, that was the first time I got a certification. And then, you know, when I, when I did get hired at lifetime, I had to pass like their, their, um, internal kind of certification process, um, to be a run coach there. And then a few years later, we, we both did the RCA Roadrunners um, Association um, certification. And then, yeah, I don't think that you need that though, especially to start out on a volunteer basis. Um, where I think it can come into handy is if you do want to ever become like a head coach, especially at a high school level, college level, stuff like that, they're going to want to see some sort of certification. And even to be a coach now at the high school level, you have to just get well, at least in Minnesota, you have to get the basic like high school league certification, not really related to running, but it is related to just coaching youth in general. Um, first aid, CPR, all of that stuff is usually a requirement as well. But um, when you're just going to start off volunteering, I don't think it's a necessity to to take any certifications or courses. But, you know, there are some online options for you if you're very interested and you want to learn more about kind of like the the training theory and physiology. Right. That's a good point. Um, you know, you did volunteer quite a bit before you went and got the certifications. Um, I know for me personally, it was kind of same, the same boat. You know, I had a lot of coaching mentors. I worked with several coaches myself, um, just learning different philosophies and different training methods uh, and doing a lot of the volunteer stuff for several years before I decided to become certified. Um, I feel like certification is something that should happen after you've kind of educated yourself enough. Um, it's kind of like, you know, you go to school for you know, to become anything, right? The certification is the last thing you do after you educate yourself. So it's not really like a starting point, I don't think. Um, and just sitting through the RCA certification that I did have, um, it definitely was not thorough enough, I don't think, where you would be able to, you know, just go to that course and then boom, I know everything about running. Um, it's really more, you know, you have to be a well-rounded individual. And so, when I make hires that run for PRs here, I just really expect that people have um, a lot of history and volunteer experience, exposure, um, personal training, all the experience, the years of experience is very, very important because 
when it comes to coaching people and interacting with people and understanding like the human body and you know how humans respond to different training I just think it's really important to have experience in that level as well as a certification. So a certification is great to have um, after you've had a little bit of experience. And I think it just kind of makes it, it puts like a bow on the package, right? So it's really good to have experience and the certification. But I think we have to be careful that, you know, you have to also have experience as well with that. So certifications are good. RCA, USATF, VDOT. Um, you're all going to learn pretty similar concepts in all of those. Um, it's just kind of getting the, uh, alphabet soup behind your name as far as certifications go. So another thing that is good to think about and, you know, put out there is a lot of people think being a run coach would be awesome, right? Because people love to run, they like their own training they like to talk about running, um, probably people who listen to this podcast, it's like you like to listen to running related podcasts. Um, so what sort of profession is run coaching? Like, is it customer facing? Is it more detail oriented? And what sort of people do you think make good coaches? Yeah, it's definitely a good balance of both. You know, when you think about making a training plan, it's pretty detail oriented, but the majority of this is going to be customer oriented where, you know, you're supporting and communicating with your athletes. So, I think that some of the qualities that, you know, would make a good run coach, um, you know, we'd want to look for someone who's very obviously passionate about running, but also improvement, because that's really what it's about over time is learning about how do we improve and, you know, understanding the physiology can help with that. Um, Also, someone who's very personable and interested in, in, you know, helping others with their own running. So I always think back to college, like my, my old teammates will make fun of me because I memorize all of their PRs. And it was just something that I cared about them and I wanted to see them improve too. So like first thing I, when I crossed the finish line, I'd ask them like how their race went. Um, I wouldn't talk about my own. So I just think that that is a key thing to think about too, is making sure you find someone that like, you know, likes to help out, um, other people. Um, and then you mentioned leadership qualities earlier. I just think that that's important because, you know, whether it is face to face or in or online, you still need to be uh, comfortable with facilitation or, or have professional communication. Um, and as far as, you know, the, you know, the specific things that we're going to look for on a day to day, um, definitely, I think being, being flexible, um, and open-minded because every athlete is different. And so we can't approach athletes the same way. We, what works for one athlete is not going to work for another. So you have to really tailor the training to them, um, and adjust things as things come up. And I think that's a misconception is people think, oh, they just create the plan and then it's done for a while. But I think the most important part is is navigating through challenges and barriers that, that arise um, throughout the course of the training, like maybe um, something gets in the way um, time-wise or maybe there's injuries that flare up, stuff like that. And so how you adapt, I think, is super important. Yeah, adaptability is huge. And I also think, you know, people who like to work with others and talk to other people, because it is really like a customer service, customer support sort of role, right? So it's really hands-on. You're talking directly to someone um, about their training. It's not really, um, you know, it's not really about the training plan. A lot of running is more of mental, emotional, all of those things put together. Um, <clears throat> and it, like I like how you said, it's not about your training, it's about the other person. So really when you're going to these practices or going to volunteer, you know, it's always about them. And so I think it, it, a lot of runners are really into their own training and 
obviously like I'm into my training when it's my time to train, right? So that's my focus when I'm training. But then for the rest of the time, like when it's time for you to coach, like you have to really remove yourself from it. And so one thing that I've learned over the years coaching is that the way that I approach running and the way that I approach training is not necessarily how you know, other athletes are going to do it. And so it's about finding, um, other people's strengths and weaknesses and helping them discover their potential. Um, because your strengths might be someone else's weaknesses and vice versa. You might be coaching someone that's completely opposite of you, um, both mentally, emotionally, and physically. And part of your job as a coach is to help them figure out how to reach the next level and really take their training up a notch um, while relating to them. And I think it can be hard when you don't have the same exact mindset as the athlete that you're coaching. And one of a, a good coach there, your job should be to really empathize with the other person and try to get into their own, um, mind, mind and help them like unlock whatever is kind of going on. I know sometimes people are really like closed minded and they like to think, you know, Oh, just figure it out or all that sort of like, um, hardcore attitude like that. Uh, I think being a coach, you have to be a little bit more empathetic and understanding of other people and, you know, just intuitive with all of those things, because there's a lot of emotional and mental things that come up with running and training. And I think it's really important to be someone that understands those things and is understanding of other people, because if you can relate to people and meet them kind of where they're at, they're more willing to kind of open up and really trust you and become their best version of themselves um, as a result. Because it's more than just, you know, writing that training plan and then having them follow it. Um, Because a lot of people, they know like, you know, the mental, physical, emotional, (laughs) spiritual parts of running are are very, um, are very much there. So do you ever coach people that are extremely different from you or how often is it that you get an athlete and you're like, Oh my gosh, you're just like me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, not, not too often, but you know, I, I don't even try to really compare myself to people either. Just, but as far as there are those athletes that I feel, um, you know, they don't need a ton of the support. It's more just setting up the plan, checking in, maybe, maybe highlighting a few of the positives that you're seeing, you know, some patterns that you're seeing over the course of the last few weeks or months or whatever. But, um, and then there's those other people that, you know, I think benefit from, from more of like detailed check-ins, like specifics. And I think it kind of depends on their experience. Um, you know, how experienced they are as a runner and what, you know, their goals are. Um, but yeah, I guess there's just, I, I try to treat everyone as kind of an individual and, um, I try to ha- I try to have a system for myself to make sure I'm make- making sure I'm checking in with each person, um, um, you know, and, and checking their training logs, you know, at least a couple times a week. So it's um, yeah, and obviously we at Run for PRs, you know, we do have those packages where people can just pay for the plan where we don't really check in until that month is up or whatever. And so um, I think you know I think a certain athlete should be on that plan. And I think other athletes should probably tend to do our basic package. So they get that, that check-in support with a coach, but, um, you know, and if you're not sure what type of athlete you are, I think just start with one plan and then ask the coach and we can kind of go from there and determine, make sure you're on the best plan for you. Yeah, that's a good point. And there is the technicality piece of course, as well. Um, and I think that's really important. And I think that can be one of the areas where people, 
might have the tendency to um, overstretch themselves. Like for me, building a plan is is pretty easy at this point, you know, after doing it for six, seven years now. Um, it's just that's really the part that I have down to a T um, without a doubt. Like I know exactly what to look for and have a system in place, you know, because we have these athlete questions that come in and it's just, it's very like, straightforward for me. Um, whereas if you're newer to coaching, I know the first couple of times I wrote a training plan, um, you know, even the first couple of years I wrote a training plan, it would be, it would take me hours to like figure out every little thing. And I think just going through the motions and learning over time, you get faster at the technical part. And I think, you know, as a beginner coach, I maybe spent more time on the technical side and and that's really important to get down for sure but at that point it's really important to not overstretch yourself and work with too many athletes if you're newer to this sport you know I know a lot of people move into like the online coaching realm um and I think just starting with a really small number so that you can really just get to know each person and get to spend the time that you want on that training plan and not have to feel rushed is super important. Um, for me, I like to build, you know, an outline of the whole entire training cycle as far as long runs. And I like to be able to like view it, um, mentally in my mind, but then I, I write plans in like one month chunks, but you know, it, I can write a training plan and feel like I do a really good job at it. And I mean, I don't know, just way, way faster than I used to um, be able to. So that's just something also to keep in mind. Um, You don't want to like overexert yourself or like overpromise if you um, just are kind of starting out. It's better just to try like with one person. I know the first year I coached, I pretty much only wrote training plans for like my mom and just getting as much feedback from her as possible and seeing like her reactions and hearing everything from her and being able to tweak those things. Um, it's a lot easier to learn and grow when you are, you know, starting where you're at rather than, you know, overload your plate too much. So, you know, sometimes people ask like, how many people do I coach? How many people do you coach? All of those things. And it's just, it varies so much. So like telling someone like how many people you write a plan for, how many people do we coach now versus, you know, five years ago, it's just, it's different for everyone. So it's all about finding the balance that works for you and kind of what's on, on your plate and how long um, it takes you to kind of develop the plans and, and just be able to connect with your athletes also. So another question that people ask a lot is about if they have to become a certain level of athlete um, before they become a run coach or you know, for you at the college and high school level, you said you run with them. Like a lot of these people maybe aren't able, like I wouldn't be able to run with the men's cross country team at a high school level. So uh, is there a certain level and are there different ways that you can get involved? Maybe, you know, if you want to coach more beginner runners, kind of like coach to 5k groups or what is the the best place to start? Um, if you're more of, you know, a beginner runner yourself. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you're a beginner runner or you want to get into coaching for the first time, um, you know, I would say starting out with those like established local groups, um, you know, and we have a ton here in the Metro, like we have moms on the run, we have MDRA and, 
you know, um, local fitness centers and stuff like that have their groups too. And your area might have fleet feet that has a group or whatever. And so I think that those groups are the best place to start. Um, I don't think, you know, to become a high school coach or whatever, I don't think you need to have an extensive background in the sport to be considered a good coach, but at some point you're going to need to have had experience in obviously the leadership. And then as well as, um, you know, get yourself well-versed with the physiology part of running because you need to be able to train athletes the right way and not end up getting kids hurt and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, you don't need to be some ultimately speedy person to coach at that level. Um, Obviously, you know, we know that there's plenty of schools out there that struggle to even find coaches for their, you know, track teams or whatever. And so they'll really take any person on their staff who is willing to coach and, you know, at that point, they just they need an adult body, somebody who's going to be able to manage the the groups of students. Um, but you know, if you're looking at maybe um, a school that's a little bit more established, um, you know, in a probably a more metro area, um, maybe more competitive team, your your chances are that coach is probably going to have some some former background in in running or at least coaching for an extensive period of time. Yeah, and it's important to remember maybe you contact some of your local high schools and you're trying to figure out how you can be a volunteer. Um, every high school coach is going to be different. You know, you might, you might get the one high school coach that's been running since he was five years old and he's been at the school for like 30 years. Um, and he's, you know, ran a million marathons, but then you might get another coach kind of like your high school coaches where it's like, they maybe ran for a few years here and there. They don't really run much anymore. Um, maybe do a couple of five K's, you know, but it just really varies. And so don't get like intimidated by, um, maybe like if you do reach out and the person's like super experienced and all that stuff, it's, it's good to just have a mentor. I think, you know, regardless of their ability or their background, um, just getting someone that can be your mentor and to like help you like learn about the sport is super cool. Um, so Jason, like your high school coaches, do you think that they like helped you to get into coaching or like you have ever had conversations with them about coaching and they're like a support person for you? Just even though they themselves weren't, you know, super accomplished runners, like, do you still kind of look to them for like coaching advice just because they have experience and even people like you who have a decade of coaching experience, do you still like ask your mentors for like advice on things when things get crazy or is it good to have a network like that? What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, you, it's important to have a network of people that you can trust and that you, you know, relationships you've built over the years that you've learned um, things from, and I think my, it, it did start in high school for me. I had two great coaches and, you know, they didn't overtrain us. They set us up nicely to go on to college and to want to run there. And we sent a lot of kids from my high school to college. And, um, yeah, thinking about over the years, I'd go back, I'd check in, I'd, I'd stop by in the summer to see how their practices are going. You know, one particular of my coaches, he majored in the same thing as me at the same university. So I felt like that helped me like vision my, you know, create a vision for myself. Like I could do the same thing he's doing. Um, and yeah, they are not super, like you said, they're not running like, you know, five K's and marathons and stuff as adults are. Um, but they both, I think ran in high school and college for a bit. And, um, you know, they knew enough about how to structure training and how to just manage a group of kids and and keep it positive and fun. And I think that's the most important part at that level. Um, thinking about my college coaches, I had a few there where I was, you know, I developed some good relationships and I think those were the ones I relied more on, like, um, 
you know, networking as I got older, um, kind of going back to them to, to talk about the physiology or like the, um, you know, the problems that would arise and like how to address this or that. And so I think it's just good to have the more people in your networking and in your bubble, the better. And you never know when you're going to need to reach back out and, and ask someone for advice and, and how they might handle a situation. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and every coach kind of finds a specialization and a little niche that they're that they're good at. And I know, you know, your college coach was really into like the mid distance, like obsessed with, you know, the 800 and, and that sort of distance. Um, of course, he could coach the other distances. But I think like, if you ever had a question in regard to coaching someone to the 800 meter, like he'd be your go to guy just because he is just all in on that one thing. He's probably done way more research than anyone else. And like, it's just someone that you would trust. Whereas you've probably worked with um, coaches in the past where like, they're just so into the marathon, like just obsessed with it. And they've really just helped other people like achieve greatness in the marathon. Um, And maybe that would be someone that you reach out to, to like ask about the marathon. Um, so every coach is going to have a little bit of a different niche and you might not realize your niche until way later. Um, I think for me, I started running as an adult. Um, the first person that I coached was my mom. She was 50 years old. She had never ran before. She wanted to work her way up to her first 5k. And so a lot of what I was giving her was like run walk intervals. Um, and I felt like I could really relate to what she was going through because I had also started running from scratch. And so that like beginner, um, level for me was something that just came so easy. And I really enjoyed creating those run walk plans for people. Um, and I just thought that that was something that everyone knew how to do and create. And, um, you know, cause it, it's not, I don't know, it just came so natural to me. And then when I, you know, have gone to hire people for run for PRs and sometimes send uh, over more of like a beginner athlete to some of our coaches, I am always shocked that people are like, I don't, I'm not really sure how to like work with this person who doesn't know how to run more than, you know, two or three miles at a time. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, because everyone does have their di- different niche. And so I think for me, you know, I'm someone who, I can work with anyone, right? But I can definitely 100% with all of the confidence in the world take on someone who doesn't know how to run at all and get them into running even like a half marathon. Because for me, that's something that I have helped a lot of people do. And it's fun for me. I like to see the progress um, and it excites me. And so I think people know that they can come to me um, within Run for PRs, uh, like my coaches, and say, hey, Victoria, like, I need, I need some advice for like this run walk plan. Cause I think sometimes people, if they don't have a lot of experience doing it, they start to doubt themselves and they just want to have a, like a mentor, um, in their corner to help with that. Just like, you know, if I was training someone for a hundred mile ultra, <laughs> I would be looking to people who I know who have done that before and just kind of like scoping their brain and asking them like, Hey, like, what is this like? What do you think of this idea? Um, it's really good to have people to bounce your ideas off of and talk to because that's how you learn. And that's how you grow is from having that network of mentors. And I think never being afraid to reach out to people and to like ask their opinions, ask what they know about something, um, because other people are going to, you know, have different experiences than you. And that's how you learn and grow is to, you know, seek out other experts and whatnot. So what about other, like, run coaching groups or run coaching books. Um, do you recommend any books that you would read? Is that something that you really looked into or how did you learn like the bulk of what you know about training? 
Yeah, I mean, I would say I did. I learned a lot just from the years of you know not only experience but talking to other coaches and doing research at myself online. Um, really talking to other runners too at like local races and finding out like what they're doing for training and stuff. Um, but I would say some of the books I've looked at over the years would be Running with the Legends. I was one of the first ones many years ago, and then um, eighty twenty running. Um, you know, d- done a lot of research with Daniel's running formula. So there's there's so many books out there that you can look at. Um, and if you're going to coach adult runners, you're probably going to want to really read, um, you know, a lot of the different, like, like Hanson's marathon, you're going to want to familiarize yourself with that and just learn about the different training theories and principles. Um, but I think that, yeah, definitely reading books is great because you're going to, you're going to gain experience or knowledge that way. And, um, I don't think that, you know, one of the other questions that, that you're probably going to bring up is about, you know, your, your running background and the times that you run. And I don't necessarily think like, just because you're a super fast runner, that doesn't necessarily mean that you would make a great coach. I think that you need to, um, you know, understand training and apply to other people and not just yourself, because, you know, I get people from all across the board, right? Like I have runners that haven't ran in probably years or that are new to running. And so we do need to start, like you said, with run walk intervals and, and incorporate like, um, you know, three to one ratio, five to one, that sort of thing, and just progressively overload from there. And I think that the levels, um, you know, you're going to be working with are are so widespread, and it's so important to understand how you know each runner might be different and how to support them and what they might need from you. Um, and you know, there's there's no magic way, but it's it's all about um, kind of slowly building them up and making them mentally feel you know positive about what they're doing. Yeah, there's so much information I feel like we've shared already in this podcast, but definitely it's good to kind of have all the factors in line. So pretty much volunteering, getting your experience, getting that hands-on experience, um, there's really no excuse for it because there's races that, well, there used to be races that went on every weekend, but there's always like volunteer opportunities available in your community, um, whether that's, you know, running a shoe donation for a local school or uh, just going to a run group and introducing yourself to people and just taking those as networking experiences and growing um your network circle I know even when I go to like running stores um I just like to ask you know the people who work there kind of like what they're doing what they're training for because um you know oftentimes as their job they have to like ask us those questions but I'm curious to know more about them and kind of like what their backgrounds are because some of the people that work at those running shoe stores are really awesome and they're ultra marathoners and they have like all this running experience and just kind of getting to know them and becoming friendly with them getting friendly with people in your running community networking is so important um so the volunteer basis, and then looking into certifications, once you've kind of had that experience, you have a network, looking into getting certified, um, helping just within your local community with friends, asking friends if, hey, can I write your training, or if people have training question advice, just doing it on like a for free basis, um, developing your skills before you really kind of go out there and uh, do a paid coaching position, and then just keeping your network open and understanding that it's always like a growth opportunity. Um, I don't know everything about there's to know about the sport. Neither does Jason. He's been doing this for, you know, 25 years as an athlete. And 
uh, over 10 years as a coach. So there's always room for growth and just knowing that, you know, it's not about you and your training anymore. It's about helping other people. And that might look a little bit different, um, but it's, it's a really cool process and experience to be able to help people with their training. Um, it can bring you a lot more appreciation for the sport because you can see how greatly it impacts other people and how um, it, it can really transform people mentally and physically. Um, I think it's just, it's really fun and is a great way to keep um, the spirit of running alive just to give back and help other people achieve their goals as well. So I hope that you appreciated this episode. Um, it's a little bit different than what we normally do, but we thought it would be fun to kind of share because we get this question all the time from people. Um, so if you ever have any questions or you want to try us out for a free seven-day trial, we would love to chat more with you. If you fill out the form at www.runforprs.co, um, we can chat with you more and get you set up on a free seven-day trial.